you to those who uh, provided some music and guided us in singing some. Uh, before I pray and uh, we look at some scripture that goes along with the coming of Christ, I'm going to give you two minutes to uh, wish somebody a Merry Christmas that is not in your family. How about if you wish a Merry Christmas to at least three people not in your family and you have a minute and a half to do it, all right? So let's wish one another a Merry Christmas, all right? Merry Christmas, good to see you, good to see you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming. Merry Christmas, Gary. Still five seconds. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, this is always a great time of the year. You know, it's it it's not always a great time for everybody because things happen during a year's time that aren't so great, and um, and sometimes yeah, it's hard to even set them aside, and I don't know if we should set them aside at Christmas time, but Jesus is worth celebrating at Christmas, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happened to us. And so I hope that even just in some of the simple singing and the simple music that you were hearing, and maybe even hearing those scriptures that were read from different parts uh, of this room, uh, something has been used by God to just give you a sense of peace, at least for a little while tonight, uh, maybe a sense of joy, a sense of remembering what this is all about. So um, Merry Christmas to you uh, from Janine and I, uh, those of you who are from our church family, we love you very much and, and so glad to have spent another year with you. And for those of you who have joined us, we're just so grateful that you've done that. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this time that we could have together. We come from different directions, different experiences. But Father, we gather here in this one place to remember what Christmas is all about, about Jesus Christ and his willingness to come here, to live among us, to teach And, Father, most of all, to show his love by going to the cross for us. Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and remind us of how wonderful this is as we look at some scriptures and then go to celebrate with our families. In Christ's name, amen. In 
In his church program, a little boy was asked to uh, play a role. He was to be the angel of the Lord that appeared to the shepherds. And his role involved just saying one short line in the program. And the line was, it is I, do not be afraid. Uh, It is I, do not be afraid. And so, leading up to the program, of course, his mother practiced with him, getting him to, to learn this line well. And so he repeated it many times over the the weeks before the program. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then the night came for the program. And it was the boy's turn to go on stage. And so he walked out on stage to join the shepherds. And then he saw the bright lights shining on him. And he saw the large crowd out in front of him, watching him. And he froze. And there was silence. And after a few moments, the little boy finally spoke. And he said, it's me, and I'm really scared. (laughs) Remember back to your early Christmas programs. You might have had a a similar experience. But you know, uh, back in the time of the prophet Isaiah, the people of Jerusalem were really scared. It was a real dark time for them. And there were ruthless enemies all around them seeking to destroy them. And if you had asked them, they would have agreed, this is a dark time for us. But the prophet Isaiah had some words of hope for his people living in this dark time. I'd like to read some of them from Isaiah chapter 9. He said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And ever since Isaiah spoke those words of hope, about a great light coming to dispel the darkness and described this great light 
the people of Israel began looking for that great light. They called him their Messiah, the Christ. Then we move ahead to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John. And the first chapter of that Gospel. And John begins his record of the life of Jesus and his ministry. And this is how he begins in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we know that's Jesus, right? Uh, maybe after verse 1, we're not quite sure. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. But when John says the Word became flesh, took on human form, and lived among us, well, now we know who the Word is, right? It's Jesus. Look what he also says about the Word, about Jesus, who took on flesh. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, if you had been a Jewish person, and if those kinds of words had been spoken to you about someone coming who is the true light, in him is life, and that life is the light, what would you have thought? Well, you might have remembered the words of hope from Isaiah to your ancestors. The great light that was to come. We move on to John chapter 3, into the ministry of Jesus. Obviously, he was born in Bethlehem. We know about that from Luke 2, Luke 1, Matthew 1. Um, we've been singing about that tonight. He was born. He took on flesh. He grew up. He became a man, and he began to minister. And we come to John chapter 3. And here's what Jesus says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And then he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil.
So Jesus talks about his coming, and he actually refers to himself as light. But then he says people make choices. People make choices about that. Light or darkness. Some choose light. Many choose darkness. Life or death. Some choose life, the life Jesus came to give. But many choose death. Some choose Jesus, but many choose self and their own sin over Jesus. And that's the way it's always been. Jesus said that's the way it's going to be. Light has come. The true light has come. The one who can give life, and that life is light. It dispels the darkness. It frees you from darkness. But he says, many will love the darkness more than the light. That's the choice that they'll make. Then we move on to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And this is really interesting to me because in John chapter 7, we find out that Jesus goes to Jerusalem to what was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was a a week-long celebration for the Jewish people. And chapter 7 says that Jesus went to Jerusalem for that celebration. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the harvest. It was kind of like our Thanksgiving. But along with celebrating the harvest, there were other things that were celebrated and remembered by the Jewish people. Every night during that week of the Feast of Tabernacles, the people would gather in the courts of the temple in Jerusalem. And there there were four tall pillars and a lamp, an oil lamp, was on the top of each of these tall pillars. And in the early evening, every night during the week of the Feast of Tabernacles, the people would gather and there was a ceremony which was called the illumination of the temple where these four lamps on top of the high pillars were lit and they would burn all night long until morning, and be put out. And people used to claim that those four lights in the temple court would light up the entire city of Jerusalem. Now, whether they did or not, we don't know, but they were so bright and noticeable that the people would claim that's what was happening. Chapter 7 of John says, the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles came. And when we come to John chapter 8, verse 12, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus is standing kind of, uh, I suppose you would say, at the closing ceremonies of this week-long feast. 
He's standing there in the courts of the temple. A large crowd gathered. And Jesus makes a declaration. And I want you to hear the declaration. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, Now remember, he is saying this in the temple courts. Crowds of people here. And you have the four pillars, the high pillars with the oil lamps. Jesus spoke and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That would be a stunning declaration by Jesus at that time and in that place. Why? Well, let me go back to the illumination of the temple, those four lights that burned all night long, every night during this feast. They burned in remembrance of a couple things. First of all, those lights... The illumination of the temple burned to help the people remember how God had led the Israelites by his visible presence in a pillar of fire out of Egypt and toward the promised land. Those four lights burning every night reminded them of how God's presence led them to freedom. Those lights also reminded them of the presence of God in the temple in the Holy of Holies. They called it the Shekinah glory of God. God was the light of lights. And burning those four oil lamps high on the pillars every night reminded them, oh God, the light of lights had led them to freedom, to the promised land, out of slavery, and how he had been present in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple in the Holy of Holies. The second purpose for those four lights burning every night during the week the Feast of Tabernacles, was to help the Jews remember the promise that Isaiah spoke to them. That a great light was coming. A child would be born. And he would be mighty God, wonderful counselor, all those great things. And so when they saw those lights burning all night long, seven or eight nights in a row, they remembered the promise of the great light that was to come. Can you see why now when Jesus stands on the last day of the feast in the temple courts with the large crowd there, and he says these words, it would be stunning. 
Let me read what he said again. Picturing the context. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What's he doing? What's he saying? I believe he's saying, I am the light of lights. I am God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of lights. But he's also saying what? I am the great light that Isaiah promised. I am the great light that you've been waiting for. I have come, and in me is life. And that life brings light. It frees you from darkness. I am the great light that you've been waiting for. The Messiah. That was quite a declaration. In that setting, I mean, it would be one thing to, around a campfire out in the country somewhere with his 12 disciples, to say, guys, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of lights. I'm the great light you've been waiting for. But to say it on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Right there where the four lights on the pillars are burning. And this large crowd is there. And he says, I am the light. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. But you will have the light of life. The life he said to Nicodemus that would be given to anyone who believed in him. Did you know that? Of course you know. Jesus is still the light of lights. And that he is still the great light that was promised. He is the Messiah. He is the one they were looking for. And today, he still gives to those who believe in him life, eternal life. And that life, like he said, is light. It frees you from darkness. It frees people from the darkness of sin, from the darkness of death, from the darkness of of sin. The life Jesus gives is the light. It's the light that guides us through the darkness of things like fear and anxiety and uncertainty and doubt. He's still the light of lights. The light, the great light who came to give life, to give light to free from darkness. And people still are making decisions about that. 
light or darkness? Some are still choosing light. Maybe you have. Many are choosing darkness. Life or death? Some are still choosing life, but many are choosing darkness because they love it more than the light. Jesus or self and our own sin? Some are choosing Jesus, but many are choosing self and their own sin. Have you made your decision? If you have, if you've chosen light, life, what Jesus came to give, if you've chosen Jesus himself to follow him, and he's freed you from the darkness of sin, the darkness of hopelessness, um, you need to be celebrating right now. You need to be celebrating. He came to do just what he's done in your life because you've trusted him. Well, maybe you've not made the decision or maybe you've made the decision of darkness. For some reason, you love the darkness of the life you're living in your sin. Uh, maybe you've chosen death. You've chosen to remain separated from God instead of life. Um, and maybe you haven't chosen Jesus. You've chosen to just run your own life and do your own thing and not follow him. Have you made your decision? There's two old songs. I remember them because I'm old enough. One is called The Light of the World is Jesus. I remember singing this in church when I was growing up. And it says this, The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. No darkness have we who in Jesus abide. We walk in the light when we follow our guide. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. It's shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. And then another old song that I remember, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And then you remember what the song says, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus came. A child was born, a son was given. It was Jesus. 
And he is the light of lights. He is God who came in the flesh. And he is the great light that was promised. The one who would come and free people from darkness. Give life. Give hope. Give forgiveness. Have you made that decision? What decision have you made? I really encourage you to, at this, what a better time than Christmas to surrender your life to Jesus, the light of the world, the great light, the light of all lights. What a great time to seek his forgiveness and let him free you from darkness into his light and guide you with his light. I'm going to pray. And then Wendy is going to come up and play the song Silent Night a couple times through. Uh, And while she's doing that, I'm going to encourage you to pray on your own. And if you're a person who has chosen Jesus, chosen life in him, chosen the light that he gives and is, spend that little time in prayer thanking him at this Christmas season for coming to do this for you, to be this for you. If you don't know him and you haven't made the decision to know him and to trust him and follow him, take that time while Silent Night is being played to address that with God. He would love to welcome you into his family at Christmas time. And then after we've done that praying and uh, Wendy has played, then we're going to stand and sing Silent Night together before we leave. So, uh, let's pray. Our Father, once again, we are in awe of how you keep your promises. You promised that you would send the great light, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who could dispel darkness, the one who could come into this dark world and free people from the darkness of the lives they're living and their sin. Thank you for Jesus, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. Thank you for the forgiveness that's available when we trust him, when we surrender our lives to him and follow him. Father, we who have done that, we're going to spend a couple minutes here thanking you, recalling that time. And Father, if there's someone here who will spend those those minutes addressing what they need to address with you to surrender their lives to you. Father, I know that in a loving, wonderful way, you will meet them there in that prayer. Father, may this be a holy, sacred time as each one here talks to you. In Christ's name, amen.
stand and sing with me.